0: Hey, I'm Brett Gornick. I'm Jason Lobig. Welcome to the Live Better Podcast. Best day ever. We are coaches, trainers, retreat leaders, and wellness advisors, but didn't start our careers doing this. Jason worked in public accounting and I worked in corporate retail until starting our dream business in which we help people from all different industries pursue their best day ever every single day.
1: The goal of this podcast is to interview both each other and other professionals making an impact on the world on how wellness is the fuel to
0: do whatever it is in life you want to do better. This podcast is about teaching people to actively pursue their purpose and how to use self-care to do it. We're here to show you how the best day ever mindset is available to anyone at any time, no matter your circumstance. It's your choice and we're here to encourage you. You can
1: find it anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and even YouTube. You can also listen to our podcast on www.livebetterco.org. Have the best day
0: ever. Yo, Live Better fam. Brett, Jason, Emily Hutchins, Nike Master Trainer, owner of On Your Mark, Nike Run Coach, inside the huddle podcast. Emily does a lot. Uh, she recently led a session on our last virtual retreat as well. And Jason and I have known her kind of since we, we came to, to start training um, in Chicago. And she's been a, just a massive influence on us, mentor to us. And it's just been really cool to see her grow um, her business, the way she coaches and um, how she impacts people um, within the gym, and also just being the person that she is, Emily. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today.
2: Well, thanks for having me, guys. It's um, always good to chat with fellow teammates. So I appreciate you having me on.
0: For sure, uh, I think one thing that uh, I always, I always love to to start into is, you know, how how we met, and I think it was it was under really cool circumstances. Um, and it's been fun to, to grow our training journey um, alongside you. And I think one of the cool things about the relationship that Jason and I've had with you, and you might not even know this that much, is that, you know, Jason and I were really just hungry and young and getting started in, in, the, in the training realm when we met and got to start working alongside you and to be able to see somebody who was established, who was an owner of a gym, who had started something on her own who is training clients. Um, I think Jason and I just kind of want to start off this interview with just a massive thank you for um, guidance that you've given us both when we've talked to you and been mentored by you, but also just seeing you and seeing you grow and seeing you open one gym and then another and now have probably the coolest gym in Chicago under your belt. Uh, We just want to start off with, with a thanks and just thanks for hustling.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I say it all the time, you know, it's, we're all in this together as trainers in this city and, and, and on this globe for that matter. And I think it, we all work together in some capacity. We're all in it to make people better, you know, so same is true from my perspective, looking at you guys, you know, you've, you've done great in this industry and you mentor me as well. And so it's great to work alongside of you, and I'm excited to see where the future takes all of us.
1: It was so so much fun the first, uh, I I wanna reiterate um, Brett's sentiment. The first time we met, I think you took over a session for Jason. And I was like, who is this badass person (laughs) with the coolest hair of all time? (laughs) Who is this lady? And I think from from then on, you know, it, it to your point, it has been such a fun journey alongside a team. I think there's no way, I mean, I can't speak for Brett, but there's no way that I personally would have grown this fast without a team. And I thrive in that environment. And I think one, you know, huge unfortunate part of becoming a young trainer is sometimes you feel a little bit isolated, or you you start out in, in environments that are Really competitive, where people don't take you under their wing like they might on a on a normal team. And I feel like our Nike family has done that since day one, and we've all got along and shared, and it, it's just been been such a cool like adventure. And I, I I know for a fact that without you and without the Nike team, like I wouldn't be anywhere close to where I am today. Just no chance. So well, I also wanted to say thank you for that. Of course, it's
2: good to hear it's a team. That's for sure.
1: So talk to us about early stages of you training. I actually don't know a lot about your kind of earlier story. Yeah. Um, You know, when, when, when we met, you were already, you were already going. So tell us about, you know, you getting into this field and, um, I know you have a lot of really cool and, um, unique relationships, um, with athletes and, and people that are in your circle. So walk us back to the beginning and, um, we'll build up to where you are now.
2: The beginning, man. I mean, I'm taking you back to like prehistoric times here.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's go. Where you were going?
2: <laughs> so I grew up in small town, Michigan, where I was a three-sport athlete. Um, basketball was always my go-to, but I was probably always better at track. And growing up in that sport environment i knew in some capacity that i needed that to be a part of my life forever but of course as a young kid you don't know what that looks like i mean when i was a young kid i wanted to be a veterinarian you know but fast forward to college i for some reason or another decided i wanted to go into um theater i wanted to go into film and that was my way of continuing to lead some sort of active lifestyle, I think, and not sitting behind a desk, basically. Um, And so I started majoring in theater at Hope College in Holland, Michigan, and where I I walked on the basketball team, started playing basketball. And um, within a year and a half, I started, my sophomore year, I started working out, um, started working, I got a job at a gym. And the gym was called Flex Fitness Center, and it was just pumped full of bodybuilders and power lifters and That was my first um, introduction to a gym and Because when I was uh growing up, you know we didn't really see the inside of a weight room as um, female athletes, and even in college, we saw the inside of a weight room, but we didn't really know what to do with it, and we weren't really encouraged to um, you know make lifting a part of our sport so started working in this gym. I fell in love with training. And there was this one woman who was probably, she had to have been 20 years older than me at the time. And she was always training people. And it later dawned on me that she was a personal trainer and that this was her job. And this was back in, you know, 2000, 2001. And personal training certainly wasn't what it was. What it wasn't, what it is today. And I just had to this come to Jesus moment of like, holy shit, this is kind of cool. This woman is making people's lives better. She's getting them in shape. And I was so impacted as a young athlete with the coaches in my life that it hit me that I could pursue this career possibly into my adult life or my professional career. And, um, Continue to have an impact in people and integrate my upbringing as an athlete into people's lives and make them better. Um, So I decided to change my major. So I changed my major from theater to exercise science, and that was kind of it at that moment. I ended up graduating, and shortly after graduation, I started working still in Holland, Michigan, at a retirement community, and I was working with physical and occupational therapists and we were working with the elderly and it wasn't, I I realized very early on, it wasn't my calling. Um, You know, it was sadly, it was a little bit more of a depressing environment. I was used to working in this gym. And then I went from that to working in this retirement home where I had a ton of respect for what they were doing. And I learned so much while I was there, but I just knew that that wasn't where I wanted to be. And so I just started doing some research and I just had this feeling that I needed to get out of Holland and I needed to go to a bigger city, whether it was Detroit or Chicago or LA or whatever. And um, so I, st- I put my resume, I don't know, do you guys remember monster.com? Yep. <laughs> okay. So I don't, I don't even know if it's around anymore, but I put my resume on monster.com and I got a call from uh, lifetime fitness in Schaumburg. Oh. And Crunch Fitness in Chicago. And so I took the trip to go interview at both gyms, me and my mom. She drove me into the city. And um I knew something was weird about the Schaumburg thing. I didn't know anything about the city. I didn't know anything about the suburbs, but interviewed at both gyms. And my mom was the one who later was like, I think you should work in the city and I think you should give this a go. So she really encouraged me to Take the job. So took the job, moved to Chicago, started working at Crunch. And I was at Crunch probably, I don't know, I was probably nine months into the job, and I was miserable. I wasn't making any money. I didn't have any friends, you know, that whole woe is me. And I remember calling my mom one day and being like, crying on the phone, like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not picking up clients. Da-da-da-da-da. And uh, she's like, just give it three more months. And if you're still miserable and you're not picking up clients, you can always move home. So she encouraged me to stay here and I was like ready to go. And she was right. And within that time frame, I think it was close to about a year at that point where things just started to happen. I One, I started to just gain more confidence in what I was doing. I started doing more homework, educating myself more. I started meeting people um and then things just started to take off and I started picking up clients and you know that changes your world as a someone trying to start making a living somehow when you can actually like pay your bills and um within a year or so of working at Crunch I met Annette Facelli who later became my business partner and she got me involved in triathlons so we started doing a ton of triathlons became fast friends And then fast forward about three, four years into uh, working at Crunch, and her and I decided to leave, and we started On Your Mark, and that was back in 2007. And we started in a very small, tiny location, and it was probably, I don't know, maybe 300 square feet, if that, and we could fit one stack of weights and one like, uh, you know, the GTS machine, we could stack one of those in there. And that was all we had. And we just started training people. And then we were in that location for about 10 months, grew out of it. And then we moved into um, a location a little bit further west that was about double the size. And we thought we were like cool as shit. And um, we were, had still been teaching some classes at Crunch. And people were kind of on us to because we were only doing personal training. And people were on us to start doing some group classes again. So we started doing one class a week. It was Wednesday nights, six, 6 o'clock in the evening. And we called it F-Train, which stood for functional training. And we would get four, sometimes five people in there. And we realized we had something special at that moment. And we were like, wow, we're, we're going to start bridging the gap between group fitness, where we went from teaching 40 to 50 people at a time and personal training, where you, know, you have one person at a time. And um, that's kind of when I feel this small group thing started taking off. And then now you start seeing it pop up all over the place. And um, so we were in that space for about a year. And then we moved out, found another bigger studio, which is where we've been ever since. And that's right there in the West Loop. And um, yeah, been kind of going strong ever since. But I feel like at this moment, we're starting to really figure out what we're doing, and it's 13 years later now. So that's my story.
0: That's so cool. I I, I didn't know that that you got some theater in you. So we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna yeah. have to call on you for that at some point. <laughs>
2: you know, I think um, in the beginning it was. I didn't realize it, but it was actually very helpful for what I do now in terms of just being in front of people and gaining confidence to be able to speak and, you know, all of that. But at the time, I had no idea what I was doing.
0: <laughs> totally. I think I think there's a massive amount of importance for that. I mean, when we're doing some of our Nike training events or group group classes, I mean, you need yeah. presence. There's so much in a coach has to do with that part of it. Um, I want to I want to dig into one part of that story, which I found particularly interesting, because I think there's a lot of people that fall into the space right after you called your mom, mm-hmm. and they've there's a lot of people that that you know Jason and I work with, or that you see or that you know that try, mm-hmm. and they 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 have this in them to begin the phase of their life where they're going to pursue what they truly know is their purpose. And and we see this all the time. Every single one of those people will be tested to the point where quitting is is probably the most viable option. And if you were to look at this in an image, it would be someone with a pickaxe and a tunnel, just massive tunnel, pick, 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 pick. And the diamond is right, it's right there. It's right, it's like that next pick. And they're just like, man, I've been working so hard. And I just don't think I'm going to get to where I want to go. And so, a couple things I drew from that is that you have an amazing mom because it's a, it's impressive for somebody to push you, but also let you know that hey, if if you can't do this, I'm here for you. And I think that that is that's something to look up to to from a coaching perspective, a parenting perspective. And I wanna I wanna dive into what were some of the things that you did internally after you had that conversation with your mom, because it's super nice to hear that from a parent or a coach or a friend. But then you have to be the one to wake up the next day and walk into the gym with one client that day and then hang out there for the rest of the eight hours and trying to pick up business for you know what now might look like it happened pretty quickly, but when you're in that grind, it's not happening. It's not like the next day you walked in and got 12 clients. So what were some of the things you were doing internally, whether that was self-talk or maybe just like, you know what, I'm going to get up earlier. What were some of the things that you did internally during that time to bridge that gap to when things started to click?
2: I think some of it that I didn't know then was I was trying to redefine my purpose. You know, I think... uh, I see a lot of trainers do this where they go into the industry because they think within a matter of two months, they're going to be making six figures. And that is furthest from the truth, unless you land a really lucky job. Um, And I think, you know, I'm a big fan of the whole power of why, and that wasn't even a thing then. But I do think that there was a little piece of me that's like, okay, why am I doing this? Why am I getting up at four 30 every day? Why? I, I know that I want to make people better So maybe it's just a matter of starting to shift your perspective in terms of why I'm going to the gym that early every day to put people through a workout. Um, And it kind of changes your investment in what you do. And I think um, versus going to the gym and worrying about how much money you need to make in, in order to survive, which of course is a very true statement. You do have to make a living. But I think it changes how good you're how good you do or how much you excel at something when you shift your perspective in terms of why you're going into what you're going into. And I think I had that moment of like, people actually need me in this world. I'm actually doing somebody good in this world. So how can I use that to my advantage to gain clients and actually make a living? So it was just kind of. Yeah, I think it just shifted my perspective and literally it it helped instill a little bit more confidence in what I was doing. And then lo and behold, I started picking up clients. No, it wasn't overnight, but you know, within a few months time, I didn't have to call home and ask for rent money anymore. So it just shifted. It just was shifting my perspective in terms of why I was doing it.
1: I love that you called it an investment. I think that that's the the big part of that is that the return is not immediate and it can't be because the, what I think a a lot of, you know, young trainers, especially ones that want to work with athletes is they're like, just get me to the point, get me in in an environment where I can just work with top athletes. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to go chase the money around. But to your point, the value that you provide is, your training service, and that service is built entirely upon trust, so there has to be a passage of time between when that trust level saturates enough that people start talking about you right if nobody if nobody knows how good you are you, you can't change a client overnight so When I'm always talking to new trainers or other people, I'm like, you have to let some of this matriculate because you have to see some of these results. You have to see like, okay, well, if I'm going to change my perspective and I'm going to wake up earlier, if I'm going to change the way that I maybe make a sales pitch or whatever, you have to give that time for that actually to take hold and work the same as you do with your work ethic, the same as you do changing your mindset, right? You don't just wake up one day and just decide like, okay, this is my why, it's right. it that has been built up over time, and you saw. Oh well, I was training in this environment. That really wasn't for me, but I still want to stay in this industry. Now I kind of move over here, and this isn't going all that well. But now I have to balance. Like, have I actually you know been digging in the tunnel for long enough to to, to find what I'm find what I'm looking for? And and one thing that I wanted to ask you, um, kind of along those same lines, Brett asked what you did after. You called your mom. Has your mom always been that person that you kind of like confide in? Like talk about, you know, your relationship with your mom in that she's the one that you went to for information. Like how does she provide that support system
0: for you?
2: Yeah. I mean, my parents were never like very, they weren't very pushy people. You know, they didn't push us to play sports. They let us play sports. They encouraged us to play sports. You know, they didn't push us to go into a certain college. They let us make the decision for ourselves and kind of more or less guided us along the way. Um they're always just very supportive and still are to this day. And they they too are small business owners. And you know my dad still he's seventy three years old and still goes to work every day because he wants to hustle and because he truly uh, loves what he does for a living. And I think it was just a natural upbringing in that environment. Watching my dad hustle, you know, they never complained about how hard work probably was raising five kids. My mom didn't work. She raised the kids, you know, my dad went to work every day and all five kids went through college, Um, you know, and all five kids had braces. That shit ain't cheap, you know? And they just like, <laughs> gr- <laughs> they, they were grinding for us all the time. But I also think that their way of allowing us to develop and grow into adults was, i'm gonna they're gonna encourage us to choose our path, but they're gonna guide us, but they're not gonna push us, and they're not going to tell us um, think differently or choose differently unless they found that it was a bad plan, but they yeah, it was just a it was just a guidance thing, and it's still like that to this day um, so i I have a ton of appreciation for that simply because I see a lot of kids who even come into our facility that, you know, one big issue in sports these days is these parents push and they push and they push, you know, and then the kids are burnt out by the time they get to their junior, senior year of high school playing the same sport all the time. It's such a grind. It's so demanding. You know, they're not being encouraged to try new things or choose different paths, you know? And and so I appreciate my parents for not ever having that pushy mentality and they simply guided us. And I, I think that that speaks volumes for me, and I can speak on behalf of my siblings. And we just got this internal hustle that was positive. Um, it wasn't like, I don't know, I think some people hustle for the wrong reasons. I don't feel like that was ever my problem or issue. I wasn't hustling for the wrong reasons. And I think that that In the beginning maybe was a little bit true in terms of why i was miserable in chicago at first until i flipped the switch but that flip of the switch was because of my mom
1: yeah that it it is interesting to to look at the examples between kids who are pushed really hard and kids who are just simply put in environments that allow them to succeed on their own terms because it also doesn't always turn out well, right? Like if your parents aren't pushing you in that, they're also risking allowing you to fail on your own. And that's something I think as a kid, it's really hard to zoom out to see, oh, you know, my parents are kind of letting me hang out to dry here if I fail. But if I succeed, it's done on my own terms. And that lesson stays with you for life. And I think that is also something thinking about just my own story that I always appreciate about my parents is they always Expected that I did well, but what I did well at was my choice. And cool. by the same token, that guidance uh, comes in really handy when they're going to help guide you through whatever it is that you want to do. Can you, can you, uh, was the decision to switch into exercise science when it wasn't such a buzzy measure as it is now? When lifting and strength training not only wasn't as a part of sports, I I think, as it is now, but especially in women's sports, like what was that switch into exercise science? Were they providing you any guidance or were they just like, all right, Emily's just doing what she wants to do. I guess this is what we're doing now. Um, or, Or was that a longer conversation when you switched from theater film into exercise science?
2: no it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a longer conversation. It was basically what you just said. okay, Emily's going to try something different, so see how it goes. Hopefully you like it if you don't well, I guess you can always switch to something else. Just try not to go to college for seven years because we're paying for it
1: <laughs> <laughs> which is fair which is fair <laughs> and I I, want, I I definitely want to use that to bridge the gap into you know your experience now um You know, you're very established in Chicago. Um, The space you run now has got to be three, four or five times the size of your West Loop spot over on the West side. You know, when you're walking through lifting as a part of sports, especially women's sports, can you walk us through some of that evolution that you've seen since, you know, your early days at Crunch to now? I know professional athletes are walking through your doors. Um, I've been in there with them at some points. Um, talk us through sort of like that evolution of women's sports and the insertion of strength training in there and, and kind of how you've been a part of that, at least in Chicago.
2: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, from when I was an athlete in college, you know, it was your, your push, pull, your squat, your deadlift. There, there wasn't a lot of, I mean, look at performance development now, performance training where it is today is significantly different from what strength and conditioning was like in the 90s and the, you know, early 2000s, I guess, if you will. Um, And that evolution of people just putting their minds together to change the way that athletes train, I think, speaks volumes for where a lot of women's teams are today. And the, I mean, the growth of women's sport is one thing because of interest levels are higher, but I think the growth of women's sports is another thing because there's that much better coaching out there and women are starting to benefit from it at earlier uh, stages in life. And that is getting them a lot more recognition. The competition is increasing and it's um, it's just changing women's sport.
0: When you look at being a woman within the training space, I think that there are a lot of things that have developed over probably since you began with the rollout of social media, um, with just kind of everybody seeing what everybody's doing. Um, There's been a lot of good for sure. There's been a lot of awesome people to follow that you can learn techniques from, but there's also been a lot of pressure um, societally from being a woman within sport, within strength training, um, a business owner. And, uh, I I would love to just hear how you handle those external pressures that are just placed on, on you because you're a woman within this space with the current societal situation.
2: Yeah. It's a great question. I mean, you go to any, (sighs) collegiate environment, you're, you're certainly going to see that, um, strength and conditioning and performance coaches are primarily men. Um, but, and maybe this sounds egotistical, but I don't think I've ever felt pressure in a bad way that, um, uh, impact, has impacted my career. I think that it has inspired me if anything, to get better. to continue to learn. I know that I'm not the smartest trainer in the room. And I say that to people all the time. I don't want to be the smartest trainer in the room. Um, and being able to say that I can learn from other people and be inspired by other people to benefit my, um, education and my career in terms of how I'm working with athletes and what I'm doing. Um, So I've never felt necessarily pressure, only pressure to get better, but not pressure that makes me feel that I'm doing something wrong. Um, And I'm sure I have done things wrong, but that's a part of development as a trainer and development as owning a business is you're going to fail. You're going to, some days you're just not going to choose the right moves for your client, but that's okay. It's all part of the process. Nobody's perfect. Um, But I allow it to more or less fuel me for the good fuel me to get better. Um, this, you know, you guys know this industry is ever changing. It's constantly evolving and it just, you know, it's, it's forcing us to stay on top of our game.
1: I really like what you said about, um, not being the smartest trainer in the room. I think (laughs) it's funny, you know, when, when Brett and I started, we were pushed into a, a lot of environments really fast and early on, where we certainly were not, <laughs> um, and definitely at least experience wise for sure. Um, and I think that that's kind of stuck with me the whole time throughout my journey is just to understand that like once you can be humble enough just to put aside the ego to to need to be the, the smartest in the room, it just allows you to take a step back and just kind of soak everything in, just like that immediate expectation change. It's just saying if I surround myself with people who have such a wide variety of experience and depth and they, you know, they speak differently, people have different coaching styles. It really helps hone your style. And to bring something up that you said earlier, you said I realize that people need me, that I am doing good. That is something that I have passed along. It, it's Almost the first thing I tell anybody that wants to get into health and wellness is that you should never be discouraged by the fact that there are people that are already doing what you want to do because they're not you. And there are always going to be people that want to hear your voice, that want to train in your style, that trust you, that some other coach that's a lot smarter could write a perfect program that they're not going to follow because they don't care. They don't buy into it. They don't vibe with what they're saying. They don't vibe with their style. And that is, you know, that means that there's an opening for your style to come through. So, you know, I, I want to iterate that again, that if you're listening to this and, and wondering like, well, how can I get to her level or how can I do this? The, the thing is to start and to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you, with more experience than you, and to be humble enough and to put your ego aside enough to say, like, I'm here to learn, and I'm here to assist and support until I feel like I've developed my voice in a way where it's time for me to kind of like stand on my own. And then you you find this very interesting switch where then coaches and athletes start paying attention to you for what you have to say. Um, and that And that does not happen overnight. That is also an investment in your career, your process, your learning growth.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, again, it always goes back to that team huddle. You know, it's it's we're all in this together. Hopefully, people who are out there being coaches and trainers are truly have the value of wanting to make people better. Um, But it's really about who you surround yourself with. You know, I'm I've always been very fortunate to rub shoulders with some of the best that I feel are the best of the best, and that's only going to give you the advantage of becoming better yourself. So I agree with you.
1: What what do you think have been some of the, the, um, you know, as you've uh, dived a little bit deeper into some of these different types of training modalities and you've seen sort of athletic development um, grow, I know you guys are working with kids some and developing athletes. What are some things, there's some trends that you've seen come up, um, that you guys are kind of doubling down on? And then what are some things that you are moving away from?
2: Hmm. Great question. Um, I think trend wise, you know, you could say everything in fitness is a trend, you know, from what we do even to like the Pelotons and the soul cycles of the world, everything in fitness is a trend, but I think it's how you use that to to make you better, you know I don't think tr- trends necessarily have to be a bad thing. I think it's they're a great tool to learn from. Um, but I think the important thing is understanding your individual client. you know not everyone is built to move like LeBron James. A matter of fact, ninety nine percent of the population cannot move like LeBron James. and I think that there's a greater percentage of people like that ninety nine percent that, um, almost deserve better or almost deserve, um, they deserve that same high level connection or that same high level experience that LeBron gets, you know, and I think that's on the trainer to really understand what is it your, your client's trying to accomplish? Why are they trying to accomplish it? How does that client move? Um, and how can you make them a better version of themselves? But that, also comes with having experience and being able to train each human differently based on how they move and what they need. And that's having experience and, um, learnings from, I guess, a multitude of different trends. You know, I don't think that there's one specific proper exact textbook for trainers to, um, learn from. I think that everything in society from a training standpoint is part of that textbook. And I think it's important to learn from them, take little pieces of information and apply it to how you feel it's best for your clients. Um, So I don't know if that makes sense or not, but I just don't think that there's one perfect way of doing things. I think it's just a matter of you want to expand on your Rolodex of training by learning from others and learning from different trends, if you will.
1: What are some things you guys have been moving away from? Maybe some of the more popular trends that you feel like are not serving your clients. Because I, I, I really like what you said about that. That is one of sort of like my training first principles. I actually just made a post on um, Instagram yesterday about this. But just saying like, do not train. You, like, remember that you're training your client, you're not training you or some ideal state of your client, like in their shoes you need to actually train the human being in front of you. And I think we get lost on that with all the trends and all the, like everyone doesn't have to do everything, right? You have to, you have to serve your client in the way that they need it. What are some things or some more popular trends that are coming up that you guys are moving away from, or that you have always steered clear of?
2: Um, (laughs) I mean, CrossFit's never really been my jam. Um, Only because it it there's there's a lot to it that while I feel a lot of those movement patterns are important to understand they're not they're not for everybody Um, and again that just goes back to understanding your client know that most of your clients are probably going to be general population especially in this city you're going to be training general population people who want to you know lose weight and feel better and they don't necessarily they're not going to benefit from being able to do a hundred hang cleans or whatever it is, you know, 300 box jumps. That's, that's not, that's not beneficial for them. As a matter of fact, that might be more detrimental and it might look cool, but just because it looks cool and you look fast and it's flashy, that does not, again, that's not the, that's probably not the best drill or the best type of training for that athlete. You know, performance training is for people who are looking to get faster. They're probably younger athletes or collegiate or pro, you know, and performance training is great for that athlete. And you can pull little nuggets of information from that type of training and put it into a general population, but don't expect the general population to benefit from necessarily a full-fledged performance training plan. You know, all, most people in this country need to understand how to m- mechanically walk better, or mechanically run better, or properly hinge and properly squat. Like those are more beneficial movement patterns and beneficial trends for those for that general population client who's probably sitting in an office all day long. So, is it best for that person who's sitting in an office all day long with low back pain to hang clean? My guess is no. So it's understanding your demographic. It's understanding um, what type of training modality is going to best suit that human. um, And don't get caught up in trends just because they might look good on camera or because they might be in every magazine you open. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the right fit for who it is that you're training.
0: When somebody walks into your gym, whether they are coming in for a group class or a seminar or a one-on-one session, I think one of the things that that I've always noticed is that you have such a, a good mixture of this really nice community feel as well as this is a place where work gets done. Mm-hmm. And I think there's there's something about that. Um, and it's, you know, when you enter, quote, unquote, the arena, it's time to time to put in some work. How do you create not only the space, but kind of the the feeling within it um, so that when people get in there, they're ready to work? And and I'm talking from a mental side. You know, like you said, someone could have had a really tough day at work and wanted to get up and go out and, and on a walk for lunch. You know, you prescribe them their little lacrosse ball mobility at their desk, but they had 15 meetings pop up. And so they're just happy to be in there. How do you get that person or the athlete who is sore, tired, um, and just not wanting to to put in the work that day to enter your space and be ready to put in the work.
2: I think you create the energy. You know, your squad creates the energy and people who come to the gym, they know when they walk in there that it's business and they also know that when they walk in there that it's going to probably be probably be the best hour of their day. So yeah, if they're coming off of a shitty day at work where they didn't get their lunch hour in or they didn't get that walk-in, they know when they can get to the gym that they're going to just automatically feel it when they walk in there. But it's up to the squad that is there to create that energy and that buzz so that people, like you said in the beginning, know and can trust that when they walk in there that it's just going to change their entire day.
0: How do you cultivate that within your training group? Um, I mean, I I love the trainers that you have at On Your Mark, and I think you've done an excellent job of, of choosing people that fit that exact mold that you talked about. There are There's countless trainers in the city, and I'm sure you're getting people that walk in there after a workout or hear about your space that are just wanting to work and train there. How do you select that? And then also when you do that, just from like a strict leadership business perspective, how do you instill that in your group to show up every single day with that attitude? And I think, you know, that's something I've always looked up to you for because there's, you know, as I'm coming in there training with Dave or coming in for a workout or a seminar, it's just like, there's just energy in there. And and it's not just because they, you know, are excited. You have to have that from the top down. So what are some of the things you instill in your leadership, um, quality so that your, your staff is, is in it. And then how do you go about picking people so that you know that they're going to fit that, that mold? Because I think there's a lot of people that are listening to this that are in leadership roles within their business that are hiring and that have to instill a culture within their, within their business, whether it's a gym or a team. Uh, and I would love to just hear how you do that because you've done a, a great job.
2: Well, thank you for that. Um, I think, it, uh, again, it kind of goes back to that whole why. You know, I, I am a huge fan of that book, The Power of Why. Um, and I know that I have a reason for why I do what I do. And that motivates me every day to get up and grind. And I feel on some, in some cases I've been very fortunate to come across like the Brian Kents of the world to rub shoulders with him um and yeah and Dave and these guys who Annette my old business partner these trainers who thoroughly just want to help people and i kind of feel like you automatically are, it's like a magnet and you just kind of draw together and when it, it sounds kind of corny but through working with through with Nike and on your mark and all of these events all of us our paths just keep crossing and crossing and crossing. And I just feel like we've been able to have these unique moments where it's like, I feel like we should all work together, you know? And it's, it, again, it's that team effort. And, and then I've also, you know, tried just the general process of hiring people and it hasn't worked out because they don't necessarily have that same drive or that same passion and that's okay. Um, But I do think you have to, in order to the the success of the team is because the team thrives on the same energy, the same vision. Everybody that's in there truly wants to see people get better. Um, and I feel like you know they say dogs have a tendency to take on the personality of their owners, and I feel like the same is true in business. If you have a good squad, you guys all start to just take on the same energy. You're in it for the same purpose and that's why you're successful and i think the same is true in any type of industry if you have yeah of course it comes from the top um but if you have that drive and that hustle and you're truly in it for your why then it just inspires everyone on your team to take um lead of that as well
0: i agree 100 percent. i think that's I mean that's been one of the most incredible things about being part of this this Nike family that we've been is just always seeing people push and work and continue to grind and it just it fuels you, um, and I think there's there's so much magic to that and as um, as we start to think about that a lot of that starts with just mindset on a day to day basis showing up every single day and one of the things we like to ask everybody on the show is our motto is have the best day ever every single day and we would love if you could share what your best day ever looks like. So if you could wake up tomorrow, do anything, quarantine's over. You have, you get as many people in the gym as you want. You could be anywhere in the world. What would Emily's best day ever look like?
2: Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to work. It's going to that gym and having the team in there and being surrounded by people who have that same desire to, do good. And um, you're in there grinding, you're, you're bringing out your best athlete, regardless of how athletic you are or not. And it's that community that's been cultivated of a mixture of all different people who all truly value um, what we're doing there. And I love that shit. And it inspires me to keep going. And I mean, it might sound corny, but that's probably my best day ever.
0: That's not corny at all. Let me get back in that gym. I'll be in there the first day as possible. I love that. <laughs> um, I, think, I think it's been, it's been awesome to, to chat for a little bit here and learn about your backstory, learn about how you've gotten through some of, some of the big challenges, I think, that, that people face and that you just continue to show up every single day and grind. So where can people find you? Where can they find out about you? Where can they work out with you? Uh, give us the spiel.
2: Yeah, um, the gym is On Your Mark. We are here in Chicago in the West Loop and on the West Side. Um, The website's oymtraining.com. You can also find us on Instagram at OnYourMarkStudios or you can find me on Instagram at m.hutchins.
0: Unreal. Thanks so much, Em. We, We appreciate it. We'd love to close with if you have any last bit of insight um or bit of advice or just anything that you'd want to to share to to finish things off
2: yeah i think um find your <laughs> again find your why um you know we we all have to work for a living the we all spend the majority of our lifetime working and i think if you are not passionate about it and you're not in it you're you're in it for other reasons then um uh, making people better or, you know, and it doesn't even have to be fitness related, but again, going back to the whole why concept, if you're not doing it and you don't love it, then you got to change it. And you can't be afraid to change it. You can't be afraid to, you know, go from being a theater major to an exercise science major when you don't think that you're very good at science. That doesn't matter because if you're passionate about it, you figure it out and you, you grow and you continue to educate yourself and, um, that's that's where your long-term success will come in.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Emma. It was, it was great to to chat, and I can't wait to get back into the gym and uh, slam some weights around together.
2: Yeah, guys. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. I, I uh, appreciate your hustle in what you do. I think you guys are doing big things, and it speaks volumes for you guys as trainers and humans, so keep grinding.
1: Appreciate it, Em. Thank you for hopping on here.
2: You bet. Thank you.